Welcome to our mindfulness podcast. Each week or so, we will have a different podcast, different speakers, different chants, different Dharma talks. But mindfulness practice in Buddhism helps us focus and helps us be aware. And this program will consist of many different ways of meditating. We usually begin with bowing or gasho, then we prepare to sit, and we will sit for approximately 10 minutes. And then we will either stand and walk for another five minutes to kind of get blood into our legs again and and, uh, relax our muscles. And then we'll sit for another 10 approximately. And then we will chant, which is another form of meditation. Uh, We focus on the characters and we pronounce the sounds as a group. And it's a kind of a ritual of oneness. And then after that, we'll have a short Dharma talk of about five to 10 minutes. And then we'll close with Gasho. And this also includes offering incense. We offer incense, but you could also light the incense before the service starts. And this is kind of the program uh, of how our meditation services proceed. And so we will be getting underway today uh, with our program. Thank you very much. We will now have seated meditation. Take a moment to see that your back is straight and centered with your shoulders relaxed. If you're in a chair, It's best to sit forward slightly rather than leaning on the chair back and keep your feet flat on the floor. Try keeping your eyes half open, resting the gaze gently downward without focusing on anything in particular. In the same way, be open to whatever sounds are coming into your ears, whether from inside the room or outdoors. We are not trying to isolate ourselves from the world around us, but rather feel that we're part of that world. If you like, you may count your breaths from one to ten. Inhale deeply. Let it all out. Try slowing down your rate of breathing relative to what it would be at other times. We are not trying to think about anything in particular or visualize anything. We simply watch our thoughts come and go.
Please put your hands together in Gasho. Bow. Namo Amidabutsu. Namo Amidabutsu. Namo Amidabutsu. Naman Dabutsu. Naman Dabutsu. Naman Dabutsu. You may stretch your legs and then please stand. We will now have our standing meditation session. Your upper body is in the same position as for sitting meditation. Straight head and spine, shoulders back, eyes half open, hands comfortably positioned in front. Legs should be shoulder width apart with knees slightly bent. Again, rock forward and backward and side to side to find your center. Standing meditation reminds us to take our meditation practice out into the world. Waiting in line at the store, being stuck in traffic, going through TSA security at the airport. Over time, meditation becomes a practice for the body and mind that can be recalled when needed most, in situations that may be merely annoying, perhaps frustrating, or even stressful. We will begin at the sound of the bell.
Please put your hands together in gasho and bow. Namo Amidabuts, Namo Amidabuts, Namo Amidabuts, Namo Amidabuts, Namo Amidabuts. All right, this completes our standing meditation. Please return to your seats and we'll prepare for our second seated meditation. Again, uh, posture's the same. Uh, try to have a nice straight back, shoulders relaxed, um, eyes half open, half closed, uh, breathing down into your stomach using your diaphragm. Um, place your hands uh, in front of your lower abdomen and we will begin our second seated meditation at the sound of the bell.
please join me in God's show. Namandats, 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 namandats. We will now have sutra chanting. A sutra is a sacred scripture from Buddhism. These originated long ago in India and in China. The text that we chant is actually Chinese, a translation from Sanskrit originals. Is it necessary to understand the meaning of what we're chanting? Of course, not at the outset. We don't know anything about it when we first begin. But I believe that we should aim to understand what the sutra is teaching us. We should have a basic awareness of its content. These are the teachings of our Shin Buddhist tradition, after all. For that reason, we provide in the Shin Buddhist service book some pages of explanation and some English translations. What we experience by chanting, I would say, has three aspects. The first aspect is meditative, like sitting or standing or breathing. Chanting forces us to focus our attention on the present moment, and it helps to calm our minds. Second, there is a ritual aspect. We are reenacting something that's taken place countless times over the centuries. We are connecting with the many followers of our Buddhist tradition who have chanted these same words, and we are gaining a sense of oneness with the other people who are chanting at this time, perhaps listening to this podcast. Third, there is a learning aspect. This is to gain a little bit of knowledge of what the meaning of the characters that we chant are, and we do that separately, I would say, from actual chanting. We will now chant the Junidai found on page 49. Junidai, or Twelve Verses of Reverence, originated in the Mahayana tradition of India during the time of the Pure Land Master Nagarjuna, around 150 CE. The verses were later translated into the Chinese text that we chant today. Like the Larger Sutra and the Amida Sutra, the text of Junidai describes the spiritual qualities of Amida and the Pure Land using poetic language. Please read the translation of the Junidai found on page 51, which describes in detail what the 12 verses of reverence actually means. We will now chant the Junidai. Keshu tenin shoku gyo Amida sen gyo zoku son Zaihi ni meo andako Mulobu shishu ineu Konjiki shinjo Yo 
Okay.
Please put your hands together in Gasho and bow. Namo Amida Butz, Namo Amida Butz, Namo Amida Butz, Namo Amida Butz, Namo Amida Butz. This is Jim Pollard. Let me share with you an essay by Takamaro Shigaraki. Shigaraki Sensei was Reverend Harada's principal teacher when he studied in Japan. The essay is called Human life is an activity of making choices. To live as a human being is to make choices. In our day-to-day -day life, we encounter everything from small choices to major decisions that are like coming to a crossroads. Based on our value judgments and decisions, our life takes various forms. The value system that we use can range from individualistic values to societal values, and it contains multiple layers that influence the choices that we make. There is a structure to our choices, where in some cases we select and discard, and in others we select and keep. Within our everyday activities, we live by keeping some things and discarding others, based on our value systems. My life today is most certainly built on a compilation of the things I have chosen to keep or to discard. However, what exactly are those things I have chosen to keep? Is there a convincing proof or a sign of having chosen something that I can regard as being true? And at the completion of my life, in looking back, can I recall something that is truly precious and real that I have chosen? Has that kind of ultimate choice been established? To what extent can I know that I hold something irreplaceable? And as I try to see something precious, doesn't it all at some point vainly fade away and disappear like a bubble? When I look back on my life, a deep question begins to emerge. On the day when my life comes to an end, I wish to have a heart of gratitude and to recall a memorable and fulfilled life that comes from having made an ultimate choice. Yet, have I lived with some kind of convincing proof of having made such a choice? Isn't it the case that I can't find anything like that among my everyday activities? To the degree that we are able to live earnestly, we are made to know ourselves and to reflect on the conditions of our life. The kind of ultimate choice that can be called true, isn't it something that we seek but cannot attain within our secular everyday world? As expressed in the Tan Ni Shou, 
we are all ordinary foolish beings filled with blind passions and this world of impermanence is like a burning house everything is false vain and empty unquote. instead of finding ultimate truth we see that our secular everyday life being false and empty is completely negated to the extent that we try to transcend that life we hope to encounter for the first time a choice that can be called true. However, that kind of ultimate choice cannot be relegated to a transcendent world apart from the world we know. People often say that ultimate truth doesn't exist in our everyday world. They immediately imagine another world, separate and distant from this one, and they seek something true within that transcendent world. However, in human life, how can there be another world apart from this everyday secular one? All the more, truth must be sought in the here and now. Making an ultimate choice must occur within the activities of our secular world. To overlook that is to imagine vainly another world, which is a completely meaningless thing. Encountering the limitations of the secular world we live by trying to go beyond it. As we strive earnestly to make choices, we gradually come to know that our everyday life is empty, vain, and false. It is not simply that at times we immerse ourselves in secular life and at other times we suffer from the falsity of it. Always, my reason for living is built only on my everyday life as I choose among various activities. Although I am consumed by living with all my might, and I identify with my choices, I find that their form is empty, false, and not real. Thinking deeply about the Buddhist teachings, I see a sharp contradiction where my life is completely affirmed on the one hand and completely negated on the other. I live with the tension of harsh opposites, joy and pain, negating each other. To embrace a lofty aspiration through deep inner reflection is truly difficult for foolish beings like us. Through everyday activities and at the risk of my life, I must select and keep living sincerely and earnestly while recognizing the falsity and emptiness. Painfully, I come to know with my whole heart the harsh tension of my life, while continuing to live with that tension. Experiencing this, a path opens for the first time, that is, Shinjin, or a life of awakening. Buddhism is a teaching that turns me from the reality of what I am toward the ideal of what I aspire for, from a life of delusion toward a life of awakening. In so doing, I strive to shed the skin of my old ego self and to become a spiritually mature person. While I am made aware of the delusion of everyday life, still the path should never be sought apart from the real world that I live in. The awakening that Buddhism aims for, although experienced amid this actual life that I live, is something that transcends that reality. In striving toward maturity as a human being, 
and in the choices I make, the everyday realities are completely negated as being false and empty. Attempting to penetrate and go beyond those choices is a sign that I am making some kind of ultimate choice, that I am beginning to live earnestly, and that I am finding a fulfillment that can truly be remembered. From the teachings of Shakyamuni Buddha and Shinran Shonin, I learn how I should live my life. Although it is a long and dangerous way that extends for miles, for me, this is the path of the Buddha. This is the Nembutsu path that I learn from Shinran. This essay was by Takamaro Shigaraki and translated by Reverend Marvin Harada. Thank you very much. Please put your hands together in Gasho. Bow. Namo Amidabutsu. Namo Amidabutsu. Namo Amidabutsu. Namandabutsu. 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 Today's program was presented and produced by the Buddhist Education Center of Orange County Buddhist Church. Copyright. 2021. Orange County Buddhist Church, Anaheim, California, USA. All rights reserved.